Uh, I love uh, the questions that uh, many of you were kind enough to write. Um, I can give you just a, an overview. Um, I recently in meditation I faced a block contemplating non-discrimination suddenly came face to face with a past trauma abuser how can I be non-discriminative in the face of past suffering what tools are available for holding and letting go of these pains as we grow Um, how can I move beyond self-criticism how can I support others without forgetting myself without getting overwhelmed and stressed out? Uh, How do we understand the gridlock that's currently going on in our government? Why is there not more emphasis on socially engaged Buddhism in Thich Nhat Hanh's retreats? Um, So you can see we run the gamut. But there's a thread running through these questions. Um, Recently in meditation, I faced a block contemplating non-discrimination but bumped into somebody who had hurt me badly and uh, how can I be non-discriminative in the face of something like that Uh, when we can when we can look deeply and see through the surface of things we come to the place of recognition that um, for me to hold on to fear anger, hatred, resentment whatever it is that uh, I have Uh, developed in response to something uh, really awful that happened to me, I am being a prisoner of my own mind. Okay? I'm doing it to myself. That I feel that uh, uh, maybe the person outside me needs to get punished. They need to do... And that could very well be the case. Uh, Whatever happens to them, whatever their outcome is, if our main focus is keeping our consciousness and ourselves free, if that's our highest priority, it allows us to cut through the surface and say, you hurt me, I want you to suffer. You hurt me, I'm never going to forgive you. You hurt me, you need to pay. As long as I'm holding on to that, I am caught. I am t- my consciousness has a knot in it. I'm not free. That's not hurting that person one bit. It has no effect on anything except me. And I'm the one that's suffering. I'm creating my own suffering. I don't feel like that. I feel like it's all because of that person that I'm suffering. It's all their fault and I'm a victim. And the fact is that I need to look deeply enough and practice so I'm no longer a victim of anybody. I will not give that power to another person to allow me to go through the rest of my life hardening my heart, watering the seeds of hatred, anger, and violence in myself. Does this make sense? It's not easy. Please don't uh, mistake this for, oh, that's all you have to do. You just have to transform yourself. and No problem. This is one of the harder things to do. We have been powerfully conditioned. And in our culture, it's cultural conditioning. Uh, in our culture, somebody does something wrong. We're looking, who do we blame and who do we punish? And uh, that's the first order of business. Uh, there's got to be somebody to take the blame and there's got to be somebody to be punished. Um, when we practice, 
It's not that we want people to get away with murder, literally. It's not that we don't want anybody to be stopped from hurting people and creating suffering. It's that we don't want to damage ourselves in the process. Okay? We can stop somebody from hurting other people or hurting us, but we don't have to hate them. We can look deeply enough to understand that people who are hurting people are suffering horribly, that they have had terrible conditioning, that they have had all of the worst possible seeds in their consciousness watered, and we can develop our compassion for that. That does not mean that we are a doormat, that we sit back and take abuse. It does not mean that we put up with behavior that is unconscionable. It means we're not available to be there for that. It means if I'm taking good care of my consciousness, I am not going to subject myself to that. Remember when we were doing the the meditation and I said, our job is to befriend ourselves? Our job is to be our own best friend. That would mean that we're taking really good care of ourselves. Would I let my friends sit there and take abuse? I don't think so. I'd say, we're out of here. Right? So it has nothing to do with being a doormat. And as a matter of fact, it's the antithesis of being a doormat. But the true position of power is when I'm going to love you no matter what, and you can't stop me. That's the ultimate position of power. Martin Luther King knew that. Gandhi knew it. And that's how they accomplished what they did. Does this make sense? Yeah. It's not easy. No. The most powerful example of this I've ever seen was the Dalai Lama's uh, doctor who had been uh, tortured for 17 years in a Chinese prison. And when somebody asked what was the scariest time for him, he said, there was one day I was having trouble maintaining my compassion for the people that were torturing me. Perfect example of somebody whose highest priority is his own consciousness. Whatever anybody does to me, they can't touch that. Okay? This is very important. Um, uh, Moving beyond uh, uh, self-criticism. Again, it's uh, a lack of awareness of interbeing. I remember at one retreat, the most beautiful question... Uh, somebody asked Ty, she said, uh, uh, you can ask any of my friends, they'll tell you I'm one of the more compassionate people they've ever met. I try to help everybody. And she said, why is it? And she started to cry. She said, why is it that I can, I can have compassion for everybody but myself? And Ty looked at her and he said, the, the good news is that Buddha has given us a way out. He said, if you hate yourself, that means you hate Ty. That means you hate everybody here. That means you hate the sunshine and the grass. You hate the trees. You are all of them. It's when we have this misperception of this little ego-centered self that we get caught there. And he said, uh, it's really wonderful. There is no self to hate. (laughs) Do you see? That's why they call him a Zen master. 
one fell swoop. Suddenly, the rug is out from under you. I'm connected to everything in the universe. To hate myself is to hate everybody. To hate myself is to hate all the things I love. To hate myself is to hate all the people that love me that are alive in every cell of my body. So that's not an option. So I think that uh, uh, the other thing that was clear in these uh, little notes that you wrote me, everybody's deepest aspiration, deepest fear, the aspirations. I was uh, really struck, and this almost always happens, by how many times people will um, uh, say, this is my aspiration. My deepest fear is not realizing my aspiration. (laughs) Oh, dear. So, um, <laughs> uh, but it's uh, uh, very interesting how, um, how many people wrote that they want to do something beneficial in the world. The deepest aspiration is to be of some help. There are a bunch of bodhisattvas in our midst that uh, we want to be able to help. This is the basic reason why we practice. In our tradition, we take a bodhisattva vow. And in order for us to truly be of help, we have to get over ourselves. We have to get over our small selves, our little tiny hangnails and our little hurts. And we have to do our best to do the transformation and healing of the big hurts in us. So that our perception is not colored by our experience. Okay? It always is. Every single one of us thinks our perception is 100%, 20-20, dead on. And other people are a little skewed. But the fact is, we're all looking through different lenses. It depends on whatever my conditioning has been, whatever my experience has been, colors my perception of everything. Uh, You know, if I have been criticized and judged, and you walk in and say, gee, that's some jacket you have on. (laughs) And I would say, what is it? What's your problem? How come you don't like this jacket? Who made you a fashion critic anyway? You think you're looking great? Well, I have news for you. Right? Okay. Or if I had, if I had been conditioned to feel terrific about myself, to think that uh, to, with lots of nourishment and uh, positive feedback, somebody comes in and says, hey, that's some jacket. I say, thank you. That's the way we're perceiving the world. All of us uh, have a skewed vision. So our practice helps us to recognize that. That's been my conditioning, so that has been the uh, distortion. And so then I can correct the vision. Then I can do some vision correcting. That when I'm aware of the distortion, I can bring myself back to clarity. Then when I'm reacting to somebody, somebody comes in and says, hey, that's some jacket you have on, I could say, do you like it? Check it out. Are you sure? Check again before I go flying off the handle and say something or do something that's going to cause more suffering for myself and other people and create some karma that's going to take me a long time to undo. Okay? So, um, even though most of us have a deep aspiration to want to do something wonderful in the world, we want to be able to help. And most of us, like I said, can feel very frustrated because it's such a big job. 
uh, those of us that have that aspiration uh, will never be unemployed. <laughs> There's going to be tons of stuff for us to do. Um, but we can't not be of help until we help ourselves. Okay? We can do things. It's not to say, I have to sit here and do nothing until I'm enlightened, and then I'll go out and help somebody. Wrong. It's uh, during this time when we're doing our best to get clarity, we do our best to help, to be of some help. And I heard a Tibetan teacher who was uh, wonderful who said, uh, uh, he's talking about Tonglen practice, and uh, where you take in all of pain and suffering and send out joy and happiness. And he said, it's a wonderful practice. The difficulty that he sees uh, in his community is that people will sitting around doing Tonglen when there's a friend who needs a ride to the doctors. <laughs> so uh, there are a zillion ways to help. And I love Mother Teresa's uh, quote of saying, I don't do great things, I do small things with great love. And if every single one of it, and like I said, I just am so moved by the West Hartford Sangha because they're engaged in so many wonderful activities to help. Uh, it's a, it's, that's exactly what we're here for. And when each of us, I don't know of any Sangha anywhere where there aren't people, whether they're doing it as a Sangha together or whether individuals are doing something, but every individual is doing something to help. And so um, uh, the best way we can be of really good help is to help ourselves. When we can heal our own suffering, we're totally available for other people. Until if we're caught in our own suffering, that's all we see. Somebody will do or say something to us, we take the bait, we react. Like I said, we get ourselves all tangled up in something that could take lots of energy and time that we could better be using helping. And so uh, when we can get freed up from that, take care of good take care of ourselves, do the healing that we need to do, we're available. We're completely there to help. Not only that, but we have the clarity to see what's going to be of help. That's a huge, a huge practice. What can I really do to help? Um, so we help all that we can while we're while we practice. Um, the, somebody else asked that one question was about how do I not uh, uh, wind up uh, taking care of other people and burning myself out. Uh, the most important thing I think to try to remember, and this is always a challenge for me, I know, is uh, how do we take care of ourselves? Um, uh, and not have that be at the expense of others? How do we take care of others and not have it be at the expense of ourselves? How do we strike that balance in between those places? That we do have to take uh, care of ourselves or else we're not available. Uh, But uh, many people can run to the uh, uh, practice for refuge and what they look at is uh, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about uh, using our sitting to hide, using our sitting just to feel good. I'll just use it to feel better. And then I'll go on getting caught up in everything I always get caught up in. That's really not that different than somebody binging, <laughs> somebody getting addicted to drinking or eating or working or anything. That uh, if I can become an adept meditator and sit and get myself into a calm place, I can get a hit and then go off and continue my life as always. Uh, that's not transformation at the base, and that's really what our practice is about. Um, the other thing at the beginning I said was that we needed to develop our courage and our fearlessness, and uh, 
part of it is so we can, we can be with what scares us and we can be free. And part of that courage and fearlessness is what it takes in order for us to be able to help. So um, people, the, the one question was about uh, Thich Nhat Hanh and uh, uh, why at our retreats we're not uh, talking about, uh, uh, what did he say, like social, uh, socially engaged Buddhism. Well, how much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, um, every single thing we do is socially engaged. The practice that we did this morning by doing a sitting meditation for a half an hour, uh, we are doing something for everybody we'll come in contact with. That is socially engaged practice. Okay. We like to look at socially engaged practice as being out with signs and marching and whatever. Our order was uh, uh, founded during the Vietnam War. The war was the ground of our order. That's where it came from. That was the genesis of it. And uh, Thich Nhat Hanh and some monks got together and they said, how can we sit here when the whole world's on fire? How can we just sit in the zendo and let it go? We need to do something. We need to be out there doing something. And so they came up with 14 precepts, and they decided they would try practicing those and being in the world to see if that would work. It was the first that had been done. And uh, then they said if it worked for 10 years, they'd share it with other people. So they found it worked fairly well, and that's the beginning of our order. And those uh, precepts are all based on looking very deeply at the causes of war. Uh, the first precept uh, of the order of interbeing is aware of the suffering created by fanaticism, intolerance. We are determined not to be idolatrous about or bound to any doctrine, theory, or ideology, even Buddhist ones. Buddhist teachings are guiding means to help us to learn to look deeply and to develop our understanding and compassion. They are not doctrines to fight, kill, or die for. Second, aware of the suffering created by attachment to views. As I'm reading these, think about the situation our country is in right now and see what you think about engaged practice. Aware of the suffering created by attachment to views and wrong perceptions, we are determined to avoid being narrow-minded and bound to present views. We shall learn and practice non-attachment from views in order to be open to others' insights and experiences. We are aware that the knowledge we presently possess is not changeless, absolute truth. Truth is found in life, and we will observe life within and around us in every moment ready to learn throughout our lives. And the third is aware of the suffering brought about when we impose our views, those views that we're attached to, on others. We are committed not to force others, even our children, by any means whatsoever, any means whatsoever, Ike, such as authority, threat, money, propaganda, or indoctrination to adopt our views. We will respect the right of others to be different and to choose what to believe and how to decide. We will, however, help others renounce fanaticism and narrowness through compassionate dialogue. Okay? So... What Ty found out when he spent 60 years of his life looking deeply at the causes of war and how to create peace on the planet was that if we're not at peace, we can't create peace. 
So what he's done has been spending every, every hour, 24 hours a day, for all those years, trying to transmit these teachings to us, trying to transmit these practices to us, trying to help us to wake up to the fact that uh, we can be peace. We can transform all of the suffering in ourselves and be peace. And that's what we're going to be taking into the world. Then however we engage, in whatever level we engage, whether it's with our neighbor that needs a ride to the doctor, or whether it's with our political, the, the Congress of our country, whether it's in a political action, we can at least be a lot more effective. We will not be wasting our energy on anger, hatred, and violence. We will understand our interbeing with everybody, and we won't create enemies. It's not going to be them and us. I was very active in the peace movement uh, when I was in college during the Vietnam War. And I've hardly ever been around a, a group of people that were more angry, more hateful, more at war. We had, uh, we had decided there was a them and an us, and we were right and they were wrong, we were good, they were bad. Da, 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 da. We were in, totally in the duality. That is not peace. <laughs> it's not what peace looks like. Uh, and so when people talk about, well, we should be in the streets, what Ty knew was if he just told people, get out in the streets and do whatever you do, without having any transformation happen, all we were going to do is create other wars because we'd be ignorant. Ignorance is the cause of all suffering, said the Buddha. And the Buddha was correct. If you don't, if you don't believe it, just look around. It's perfectly clear. Okay? What's going on in our Congress right now? Total ignorance of our, of our uh, uh, state of interbeing. And ignorance doesn't mean stupidity. It means lack of awareness. Complete lack of recognition that we're all in the same boat. If there were any recognition of that at all, this would not be what, was, what would be happening. And uh, what we have to recognize is it's not them and us. Yeah, Ty told us this at the first Gulf War. He said, uh, some of you may like to get rid of uh, George Bush the first, but until you transform the collective consciousness, you're just going to create another George Bush. And we did. <laughs> and we like to look at George Bush as being the problem. He's not the problem. The problem is the consciousness that supports that. Nobody would be able to achieve positions of power in this country if it weren't for the fact that the consciousness of the country is supporting it. The collective is supporting it. So we like to look at create another enemy. It's them. They're the problem. If only they weren't the problem. And uh, what we need to be doing is minding our own business in the highest sense of the word, taking really good care of our own consciousness, not allowing anybody, and this means corporations, banks, politicians, anybody, to be watering our seeds of hatred, anger, and violence. Big job. Especially when we're up against injustice. Oh, it feels so good to water those seeds. Self-righteousness you know, feels really good. But the fact is that all we're doing is creating more suffering for ourselves because we're creating a, a, a separation. How do we engage in that compassionate dialogue that we talked about? The only way to do that is to have an open, loving heart. 
when I can approach you from a place that we're two human beings living on this planet, and I want to understand you. I want to practice deep listening in order to understand. Then we can engage in dialogue. If I come at you saying, you are a creep, and everything you're doing is screwed up, and you are destroying the world as we know it, and I am really ticked off. Are we going to have any dialogue? I don't think so. I think you just stopped listening. And you're hardening your heart, and you're protecting and defending yourself, and we're nowhere. We're going nowhere. I just wanted to end with a quote, and it says... uh, A human being is part of a whole called by us the universe, a part limited in time and space. He experiences himself, his thoughts and feelings as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. That is our mission if we choose to undertake it. And that quote is by Albert Einstein. <laughs>